Hey there, Lisa Schwartz here. Welcome to my podcast, Teach and Talk with Lisa, where we are unpacking biblical principles with everyday words and applying them to our everyday lives. In this series, we are talking about how to define your worth. We've been talking about the ways of the world and the many definitions that they have of defining our value versus God's way and really trying to allure us into coming under the captivating love of God, seeing ourselves through the eyes of God, please, please, please go back and watch the other episodes so that you can discover what makes you valuable, the way God sees you, and the love that he has for you. But in this episode, we're going to be talking about the enemy and Satan's deceptions. Now, I don't really like to talk about Satan a whole lot, but I do think um, that we have to have an understanding of the ways of how he works so that we can be um, in the know and we can be able to be more perceptive when the enemy is working in our lives. Um, The Bible says that my people lack and they perish because of lack of knowledge and understanding. And so I think that if we become a little more educated in how the, the enemy works, then we can be a little more alerted when he begins to move in our lives. So for that purpose, I want us to just talk about some of the things that um, the Bible says about the enemy. Now in 2 Corinthians 10.3, it says, We live in the world, but we don't wage war, war as the world does. So up until this point, we've been talking about the the message of the world and the system. But I want you to understand that the world is not our enemy. Satan is our enemy, and he is the father of this world. Um, And so our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against people. It's not against systems. It's not against programs. It's not against the church. It's not against religion. Our battle, our struggle, is with powers of the dark world, powers and principalities. That's what it tells us in Ephesians chapter 6. And it says that we cast down arguments that exalt themselves against the knowledge of God. So we talked about the knowledge of God is your value, who you are, the way God defines you. And what we want to do is we want to become, um, we want to become educated Enlightened is a better word. Enlightened by the Spirit so that we can cast down the arguments that the enemy brings that tries to exalt itself against the truth of God. Let me give you an example. When God says, I love you unconditionally and you're wholly accepted, but you experience failure where your boss says this wasn't good enough or you've been fired or you're not going to get hired. You have two opposing messages and this one here saying you're not good enough, you're um, rejected, is trying to exalt itself against the truth of Jesus Christ, which is you are loved, you are good enough, you are accepted. You are unconditionally um, embraced by the love of God. So we have these two opposing positions. And what I want us to do is I want us to really understand that my enemy in that situation is not the guy who fired me or didn't hire me. That's not who it is. The real enemy in that situation is going on here and here, and it's the way Satan is moving to get you to come into the 
identity of the message that says, because you didn't get that job, you are a failure. You are not good enough. You're never going to fill in the blank. So what happens is we have an experience, that experience speaks a message and the enemy uses that message to begin whispering in our ear and trying to get us to come out from under the truth of who we are in Jesus Christ and believe his ways. So let's just talk about some of the facts about Satan. Um, so let's talk about his names. Uh, so some of the names that we hear for Satan in the scripture is one, you're going to probably want a piece of paper, Lucifer. We hear him called Lucifer, which means morning star or light or bearer of light. Now in Ezekiel 28, 17, it says your heart became proud on account of your beauty and your corrupted wisdom because of your splendor. Now what we learn from this is Satan is not the way uh, little cartoons depict him like he's this ugly little, be little being with these little horns. The Bible actually describes him as being beautiful and being um, a bearer of light. And why this is important to us, well in 2 Corinthians 11 it says Satan himself masquerades himself as an angel of light. And it's important that we recognize this because it's not always obvious when Satan is messing with you. Sometimes he will appear in something that seems right or seems illuminating or seems revelatory. Um, and so it's important that we understand that the enemy can actually mimic the ways of the Holy Spirit and he will masquerade himself as an angel of light and he will more often propose him here himself or um, appear himself and by appear I mean present himself he will present himself in a way that seems beautiful seems splendorous seems majestic okay and I'm not talking about necessarily like I see this illuminating light I'm talking about people in your life uh, some of us have been in relationships with people that came and with the appearance of beauty and the appearance of illumination and the appearance of rightness. And when we started getting down into the path of that relationship, we began to realize that this relationship and the message of this relationship was exalting itself over the truth of Jesus Christ and who we know we were supposed to be. So it's important that we understand that attribute of Satan because I think, um, I think um, it helps us become empowered to stand against his ways. Uh, one of the other words, uh, names we hear for him is the name devil. Now in the Greek, it's di diabolos, um, which means one who utters false, false statements. So the Greek word diabolos means one who utters false statements. Now we know in John 8, 44, it says there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language. For he is a liar and he is the father of lies. If Satan is speaking, he's lying. That is his only language, is lying. He will take truth, he will twist it, he will manipulate it, he will try and wrap it up in light so that you think it's right. Often he will try and get us to compromise. Uh, sometimes I sit with clients and I'm thinking, and they're like, well, I just feel like, you know, God was saying this was, and I'm like, you're lying to yourself. You know this is not truth for you. And you're justifying your behaviors by saying that you feel like God said this. And that is the enemy wrapping himself up 
in a twisted form of truth and presenting it as if it's light so that you can justify what you know is right and wrong in the situation. Now, that is not for me to necessarily reveal. I'm just saying I can see that often. I wish I could see it in my own life as much as I see it in others' lives because sometimes we're masked, right, to our own ways. But when I become aware that this is how the enemy works, I become more privy to his deceptive qualities. Now I am more aware and alert in the spirit so that I'm not taken captive to his deceptive and hollow philosophies. In 2 Corinthians, it says, his servants masquerade as servants of righteousness. So he will come in a way that appears to be right or true. And unless you know what truth is or what is true, you will likely be led astray. Remember in John 10, it talks all about being able to recognize the voice of the shepherd. A sheep recognizes the voice of his shepherd so that when a false shepherd enters into the sheepfold, he is not allured or taken astray by, taken, uh, taken off by him. And so that's what this is talking about. We need to know the voice of the Father, the one true voice, so that any imitation, anything that is less than, we are able to immediately say, that's not the real deal, and I will not follow that voice. Um, there are so many forms of uh, uh, counterfeit monies out there that there's no way the FBI or whoever it is that government agencies could study and be familiar with all the imitation, all the counterfeit forms of money. And so what they do is they actually just study the real dollar. They study all the characteristics of the real dollar so that if they come in contact with a dollar and any of the characteristics do not line up with what they have memorized, it is a counterfeit. Come on, I'm going to say that again. If anything, any voice does not line up with the attributes, the character of God, the word of God, it is a counterfeit voice wrapping itself in light, trying to present itself as if it is truth when it is the father of lies trying to trip you up. We've got to study. We've got to know. We've got to be attuned to the voice of God. If you think about in that John chapter 10, I did a study one time about how shepherds used to work. So what would happen is, is there were shepherds with all their different flocks and at night, they would often put all the shepherds in one giant sheep pen and the shepherds would take shifts. So each shepherd would have a different night in which they would watch the sheep. So in the mornings, the way they separated the sheep out is by the shepherd's voice. So let's say there are four or five different shepherds. They put all their flocks together. They're all in one sheep pen for a night. And then each shepherd comes in the morning and begins to call his sheep. And that's how they separated because the sheep knew the voice of their shepherd. The shepherd didn't necessarily know every single sheep that was theirs. It's that the sheep knew the voice of their shepherd. And that's how they separated them back out. Come on, that's fascinating to me. That's why it's so important that we know the voice of our shepherd because we are in a sheep pen filled with a lot of bleeding noise. Bleep, bleep, you know what I'm saying? And I want to be able to hear when my God says, Lisa, 
I want to know that is his voice so that I can be separated from all the other sheep and not be fooled by another shepherd's voice. Come on, I want to follow the wrong shepherd. They were all shepherds. They were all presented as shepherds, but there was only one that was their shepherd. There's only one that is my shepherd. All right, I'm going to move on. Another name for Satan is Satan. It means adversary, a person who opposes or fights against another. It is the art, he is the arch enemy of, of good. Listen, Satan is not your friend. There is nothing to be enamored with by him. First Peter 5, 8 says, Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Now, I believe um, Scripture is very intentional in using uh, the metaphor, the picture of a lion. Listen to the trait of a lion. First of all, a lion has a huge mane on his face. And there are two reasons for this mane. One is it protects him from being bit um, uh, if he's bit in the head, it, it provides a lot of thickness, a lot of cushion, and it protects him. But one of the biggest reasons is if you were to shave a lion's mane off, he's actually a lot smaller than he appears. And so when God describes the enemy being like a roaring lion, he often will bring the appearance of being a lot bigger than he really is. And so I, we learn that about this picture of a lion. We also learn uh, the difference between an old lion and a young lion. Now, an old lion, um, <laughs> it's interesting to me, uh, he'd, a lot of times their teeth would fall out and their teeth were not necessarily sharp enough to actually rip or shred something or prey to tears. So as they got older, what they would do is, and, and a young lion was the opposite. Obviously, they did not look fierce. They didn't have a loud roar. And so they would partner up and an old lion would roar, this large roar, and it would actually paralyze with fear. A lot of times the roar of a lion will actually paralyze its prey with fear so that the young lions can just go up and begin to shred it apart. And so uh, we learn about this, that, um, that the enemy often has this big, loud roar and he paralyzes us with fear, and we just sit there and let him nip away and, and speak in our ears and attack our minds and, and just nip at us and nip at us and nip at us when the reality is he has no teeth. He has no teeth. And so we have to learn that. And this is, again, how God is giving us this picture of how the enemy is. Um, what we also learn about a lion is he looks to isolate his prey. Um, the one thing that he does when he's coming after a pack, he's going to look for the weakest one, the one that's the slowest. He's going to try and pull that one out of the pack. He's going to often veer to try and get one or two out of the pack because if you stay in a pack, you're more powerful. An entire pack can overtake a lion, and a lion knows that. And so a lion is going to try and pull one of the, one of the, the pack out and isolate them. And we learn from this that one of the enemy's tricks is to isolate us. Listen, you have got to stay connected. You've got to stay in fellowship with fellow believers who are going to be speaking the reputation of the kingdom over your life. 
Um, and so you've got to be staying connected because the enemy wants to isolate you. He wants to get you off alone. He doesn't want you going to church. He doesn't want you going to that small group. He doesn't want you getting in Bible study. He doesn't want you being in community. He wants you alone in the dark um, where he can begin to devour you. So it's so important that we stay in community with people. I'm not saying we don't spend alone time with God. I'm saying in the midst of all of that, I have community. I have a support system. This is part of what we're doing at Crazy 8 Ministries. We create a support system to come around people in poverty because we recognize that one of the things the enemy wants to do is he wants to isolate them and so that they will continue to fail and they will continue to be stuck in their lack and he will continue to speak lies into their lives. Um, and this is one of my most fascinating traits of a lion. Did you know that a, tra- a lion can actually throw his roar? So a lot of times a lion will understand how a canyon or a mountain will work. And if an enemy is, if his prey is running in a particular direction, he will bounce his roar off of the mountain so that it will come around in front of uh, the prey and the prey will turn from the roar and run back in the opposite direction and he's actually running right back into uh, the lion's path. And so we learn for this that a lot of times um, the enemy will bounce things and make them appear right and will get us to turn away from things that are best and we actually begin pursuing. I I like to say a lot of times when we're pursuing good things instead of things that are best, that's the bounce of the roar. That he's getting us to turn away from what is best and we're just running in the path of something good and we're justifying saying that it's good, but we're actually running into the path of apathy. We're running into the path of less than best. We're probably running away from the path of prosperity because we're running into the path of I'm going to settle for. Um, And so the enemy will often throw his roar just like a lion and try and confuse us from and try and veer us off the right path and get us into the wrong path. Another name in the Old Testament for Satan is Belial. So in the Hebrew, that means worthlessness, profitless, or of no value. In the Old Testament, um, for those who did not know the Lord, they were often called children or the sons of Belial, meaning they were children born of uh, worthlessness, they were considered of no problem. Literally, that's what they were called. This was the te- this was the the uh, reputation that was being spoken over them. The 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 um, label that had been placed on them that they were a child of Belial, and the enemy wants you to wear that label. He wants you to wear the label that says you are a child of worthlessness. You are a child of profitlessness. You are a child of no value. And that is the enemy. Remember, it is not it is not your circumstance that has put that label on you because your circumstance is not what we wage war with. We wage war with powers of darkness and the principalities of darkness. We don't wage war as the world does. So your circumstance, the person who spoke that over you, is not your enemy. The devil is your enemy and he's coming at you and he's presenting himself in your life as belial, meaning worthlessness. And so often I, when I'm praying over people, I will break off a spirit of belial, which is a spirit of worthlessness, that you've come under the parenthood of 
as of Satan as Belial, meaning you've taken on or you've been adopted in as a child of worthlessness. Um, so one of the other, um, one of the final ways we hear Satan described is as an accuser. Now, an accuser is when we charge someone with an offense or a crime, what we are accusing them, right? We're blaming them. We're holding them responsible for something. And Revelations 12.10 says that Satan is the accuser of the brethren. And the point here is that Satan, the accuser, desires to remind you and I of our sin continuously. He continuously wants us to hold us responsible for things that Jesus died on the cross for. He wants to sow accusation into your heart and into your mind. He wants you to feel like you are continuously owed, or you are continuously have to pay a debt. There is a debt that you owe that you continuously are indebted to because of the sin in your life. Um, Satan says, look at your sinfulness, whereas God says, look to Jesus the author and the perfecter of your faith. He is your redeemer. He has redeemed you from the pit of sin. But the accuser of the brethren is one who wants to continuously point out all the things that are wrong in your lives. Now, I'm going to say this to you because some of us need to receive this in our own lives, but some of us need to quit being used by the accuser in lives of people around us. We need to quit pointing out the faults of your spouse, pointing out the faults of the people that work with you, pointing out the faults of your faults of your children. If that is you, you might be a pawn of Satan. He might be using you to speak through you as the accuser of the brethren. I'm just giving it to you like 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 I've learned it. I often feel that conviction in my own heart when I'm being critical or con condescending or con condemning, even in my own mind. It doesn't even mean, it doesn't even have to come out my words, right? Because the Spirit can do better than that. He can actually purify my mind where I don't even have accusation about myself or about people in my own mind. That's where God wants to bring us. So, um, Satan is constantly pointing out sin. He's pointing out failures. He's pointing out sh uh, shortcomings. He's pointing out lack. But God points out beauty. Remember, the Bible says that love believes the best. Love always hopes. And these are the things that love illuminate. And the accuser of the brethren is completely the opposite of that. Um, so... In John chapter 8, where Jesus says to the woman being stoned, where are your accusers, those who condemn you? She says they are no more. And in Romans 8 chapter 1, or 8, uh, 8 verse 1, it says, there is therefore now no more condemnation, meaning the voice of the accuser has been utterly shattered, was destroyed, was crucified with Christ. And so I want us to get set free of accusation. I like to tell people the two evil twins are guilt and shame that will keep us stuck in accusation. Um, and I want you to receive the freedom that God has brought into your life that you do not have to live under um, the condemnation of the brethren of the accuser. That you, uh, listen, you can't pay the debt. Um, that's why Jesus did it for you. And what we need to do is come under and recognize that the debt was paid on the cross through the blood of Jesus Christ. 
and it was good enough. You are set free from that. All right, so today we were talking about um, some of Satan's deceptions, just taking a look at the names of Satan so that we can become more educated, more enlightened by uh, the ways that he works. In the next episode, we're going to be talking about the goals of Satan in our life and the way that he tries to work in our life um, again so that we can be enlightened in the ways of the kingdom and start walking in the freedom of God's love and in our true value, our true worth which is seen in his face and in his his face alone. All right, you guys, that sums it up for today. Remember, enforcing purpose, it starts with you. I hope you enjoyed this episode. You can also find me on YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, or you can check out my other podcast show, Enforcing Purpose with Lisa Schwartz. For general information or resources, head to my website at www.lisa-schwartz.com. Thanks for listening. 